Well, good morning and welcome to Treasures of Faith. This is a local production of Divine Mercy Radio. I am your host, Bill Gent, and I want to thank you for joining me again on this beautiful day on the Space and Treasure Coast. And I am joined by Father Ben Berinti, and Father Ben is the pastor of Immaculate Conception Parish here in Melbourne Beach. And we are beginning a seven consecutive Tuesdays with a new Lenten series that it's entitled Preparation for Lenten Pilgrims. Well, actually, Passionate Lenten Pilgrims. Father Ben, what are we talking about when we're talking about a Lenten journey? Well, you may remember when we uh, first, uh, back in the Advent season, we were making our journey together then. One of the things that I said about, uh, you know, these great liturgical seasons of the Catholic Church is that they weren't imposed on the faithful. They arose from within the life of being a disciple of Christ. In other words, people came to different points in the journey, both as individuals but also as communities, that we need a more intense time for renewal. Uh, We need to prepare for the birth of Christ. Uh, We need to celebrate this great joy of Easter, and we're not going to do it just for a day. So out of that came the liturgical seasons themselves, so they were rooted first and foremost, um, in people's experiences of the different things that we go through on the faith journey. And so Lent, of course, is uh, particularly linked, as you and most of our listeners know, to um, the preparation for people entering into the life of discipleship, becoming members of the Catholic Communion. And so sort of those of us who are already in the body of Christ, uh, we are making this journey with those preparing to come in for the first time. And so, as you mentioned, you know, we see it as a, as a great time of intense preparation, renewal, uh, recommitment. Why? Because we're observing other people mm-hmm. who are coming on fire for faith for the first time, seeing the movement of God in their life, and they're saying, I want to be part of this communion. And so that kind of they hold a mirror up to ourselves, and we say, well, gosh, if it's good enough for them, <laughs> you know, what, what about us too? So this Lenten journey, um, one of the longer of the liturgical, special liturgical seasons outside of ordinary time, uh, in which we really are to walk with uh, catechumens. And even if you happen to be in a parish community, maybe where there are no catechumens for baptism at the Easter vigil, there may be people coming in to full communion with the Catholic Church, or Perhaps there's neither one, but as a body of Christ, especially body of Christ here in Central Florida, we join with all those who are moving on this pilgrimage to um, life in Christ, renewed uh, life in Christ. And we always need those uh, reminders, especially in you know in the world in which we live. And so this Lenten season, um, I'm hoping for for all of us will be uh, just another time of renewed intensity. You know, I was sharing with my parishioners too that we often think of Lent as you know it's kind of a dark season and we're you know sitting in the muck of our sins for seven <laughs> weeks and wearing sackcloth, wearing and sackcloth and ashes, <laughs> and uh, we'll wear a few tomorrow, but probably no yeah. no sackcloth. Um, and, you know, kind of beating yourself up for all the things you don't do well. And, and so it lent and lots of introspection, which is difficult. So people often think of Lent as a dark and brooding time. But uh, one of the prayers of the preface uh, has changed a little bit in the newer translation of the preface, but we always spoke in that on Ash Wednesday in the first uh, weeks of Lent, thanking the church for giving us this joyful season. Mm-hmm. And I was sharing with uh, my parishioners that, 
you know, Lent is about renewal, recommitment, uh, recharging, uh, re- being re-energized, uh, getting excited about one's faith again, and all those are those are occasions for joy, mm-hmm. not for uh, mm-hmm. sadness. So, um, you know, our time together in these next seven weeks is, I think, trying to invite people on this journey of renewal. Um, as we're making this journey of renewal, but to do it with some enthusiasm and excitement. And one of the ways that I think we can do that is by looking at these weeks of Lent beginning tomorrow as literally a pilgrimage. We are walking the way of Christ's passion. We are on a, on a journey. Um, and I think when we think about all the things that go into making a, a trip, making a pilgrimage, uh, it'll provide a lot of ways for us to get excited, hopefully, about what we're doing. Father, I, for myself, I want to grow in my appreciation for this idea that our faith lives are a journey. And when I think about uh, the liturgical seasons, we're talking about a series of days. Obviously, during Lent, we're talking about 40 days. So we go back into the Old Testament, and we can see that the Old Covenant people of God when they celebrated, they would often, it would be a seven-day feast, or it would be an extended feast. We as Americans don't think that way. We think of one day, and then we move on, just like a wedding in the Old Testament would go on for days. You know, we have a lot of leading up to it, but it's about the day, and then the day's over, and that's it, and we move on. So I think for Americans, and you know, for American Catholics, we kind of have a hard time choosing to immerse ourselves into a liturgical season, recognizing that we're going to be there for some days. And I think it, we have to be very intentional about entering that season and deciding that we are truly going to participate in it. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things we'll see as we sort of open up and explore this uh, metaphor today of, of pilgrimage is one of the things that we say about uh, being a pilgrim is that um, you know you you have to enter every day into to the things that are going to be happening, the surprises, the disappointments. Um, you have to come ready every day to to take uh, the next steps. But also one of the things about pilgrimage is that pilgrimage is more about the journey itself than it is about any specific destination. Mm. Um, so you're on a trip and you want to go see this site or that site or you want to go to the Vatican or to Medjugorje or you want to go to Lourdes or whatever it is. The person who is really the pilgrim, as much as of that journey, that pilgrimage, is what's happening on your way there and paying attention to that. But that does, as you say, it means being recommitted each day to whatever's going to be happening. As Americans, we tend to think about the destination. That's mm-hmm. that's it. And the sooner we get to the destination, the better. <laughs> and once I've seen the destination, it's over. I move so, on to the next So it's kind of like, you know, instead of going on a pilgrimage to Lourdes, just fly me over, drop me down on a parachute. I can say I've been to Lourdes, and then I go on my way. That's kind of our... Our way. So the, the challenge of liturgical seasons is, you know, our life moves so quickly. Uh, and, and so we're always being sort of pushed from behind mm. by this kind of a gale uh, wind. Um, and, and we lose 
well, we lose so much of life mm-hmm. and so much of entering into life experiences. So, um, but one of the things we do, you know, as Catholics, uh, beginning tomorrow in our churches, it's going to be Lent, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna go the forty plus days of it, and you're gonna see the purple, and you're gonna have these experiences mm-hmm. of trying to grow deeper, and we're not gonna give up on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the invitation is there, but it is it's very challenging for us to to be in the commitment for a longer haul. And it almost seems humorous as we're talking about it right now. Oh, seven weeks, that seems like a lifetime. (laughs) (laughs) Can people commit to anything beyond a few hours? I was just going to say seven hours is pushing it level, you know, or 40 minutes, uh, even listening to us for over 40 (laughs) minutes, you know, let alone 40 days of Lent. Well, Father, I know that uh, I've been to the Holy Land twice now. It's really been my privilege to go there twice. And what I learned is the importance of seeing that trip uh, as a genuine pilgrimage, that I was a pilgrim and not a tourist. Mm -hmm. And there's a complete difference. And I know that before we went on that pilgrimage, we were very clear with people that this is not a tour. This is something you engage in. This is a spiritual experience as well as you traveling physically. You're also going on a spiritual trip, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. So there is a very clear difference, isn't there? Because I would suspect that most of us as Catholics, we kind of see ourselves as tourists during Lent. Yeah, in in many ways we are. So as you say, the experience you've had, and I'm sure many of our listeners have had in a variety of different kinds of ways, um, one of the things that we want to explore in these coming weeks is looking at what is the meaning of of pilgrimage and and, and what does that say about our, our journey through Lent? And of course we know, I mean, the in the Catholic tradition, pilgrimage is centuries and centuries uh, old practice, whether it's someplace near, uh, people in the Diocese of Orlando perhaps making a pilgrimage to Mary Queen of the Universe Basilica, or whether it's to the Holy Land, or it's making a pilgrimage to a neighboring church, um, or again, some distant uh, place halfway around the world. It, it, it's, doesn't, it's not the destination so much, it's who am I, mm. who are we as we're engaging in this uh, particular movement. Uh, you know, and it was traditional um, for centuries, and people still do, people always went on pilgrimage in large groups. And they did so, why? Mostly for safety. Mm-hmm. So this is a dimension that we are going to want to explore uh, today and as we go forward, because another thing that happens during our Lenten season, um, and this is perhaps part of the, the tourist mentality, is we there is a lot of personal, individual work examination, challenge, uh, more generosity that's called for, available for each one of us, and so we have to do our own work in a sense. Mm -hmm. But Lent is a community time. We're in this together, and if we reduce Lent to just you have your practices, I have mine, Bob has his, um, and then once or twice during the season we go to a prayer service or a penance service, um, then we miss the whole purpose of of Lent. So Lent is very much not Mm. this time only for rigorous individual renewal. It's a time for communal uh, Mm. renewal, communal renewal in our families and our relationships and our our church, uh, you know, church community. So this this element of pilgrimage being, you don't go on a pilgrimage by yourself. yourself. Mm. And you know, Father, when I returned to the Catholic Church almost 20 years now, 
what I really appreciated was the corporate side of my spiritual life. In other words, I was so focused as an evangelical on the me and Jesus thing uh, that I lost a sense of the beauty of being in community and traveling together on this journey. And I think in the Catholic faith, certainly with these liturgical seasons, we have these ready-made opportunities for us to have that very experience. But again, Father, as, as Americans, you know, being an American and so focused on our individual rights and I do it my way, have it your own way, mm-hmm. it militates against this idea of us doing it together. Yeah, and again, this is one of our cultural challenges, but, you know, we keep, again, I think this is where the beauty of our Catholic tradition and how we we, we keep these practices alive despite everything that might be at any given moment working against it, whether it's from, again, outside the culture of the church, but as you're alluding to, the, there are forces working against this within mm-hmm. the, the boundaries of the church itself. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the, the, so it is a challenge for us to see, and it's more than just saying, you know, community is not just you and I and others come together to the same room for an event or the same church, so we're together, mm. but I'm not really there together. Mm-hmm. I'm still about my business. We just happen to be in the same facility together. Yep. That's that's not the community of Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. That's not the body of, of Christ mm-hmm. that we celebrate in Eucharist and we try to uh, commit ourselves to become. So we engage in these Lenten communal activities so that we really can be there for each other. So yes, I'm, you know, I'm working on the things I need to work on and you are too and so are a host of other people, but we want to provide moments for uh, for us certainly centrally Eucharist. Um, and I think there is a desire uh, that it's more than sometimes just checking boxes during the Lenten season. We generally tend to see, you know, an increase in some of the communal prayer opportunities during the Lenten season. People are choosing to do this, and I and I think it's more than at times just you know checking a box. Oh, I I went to morning prayer uh, in the community, or mm-hmm. I'm going to go to mass once a week during these uh, 40 days. I think because underneath that is this real desire for people to have fellowship, to be in community, to know that I'm not traveling alone. Mm. And so I think you know again pilgrimage n- never people may have used that expression. Mm-hmm. But you can't do it alone because for the kinds of things that God intends to do with us on a pilgrimage, it can't be done alone. Mm-hmm. We need the support of others. We need the challenge of others. And, and those, again, will be some of the things we're, we're sort of exploring. So I think all of that really does fit this Lenten season um, and our journey uh, through those weeks and through the beauty of this ministry here with the Divine Mercy Radio, we're able to have even a larger community of people. So we can be community in different kinds of ways. Right. You know, yeah. we don't, again, have to be in the same room. Mm-hmm. Our listeners don't have to be here in the studio, but our relationship through this medium is allowing us to be together uh, on this journey. I kind of liken it, Father, to large families. And from time to time, they will get together for something we refer to as a reunion. Mm -hmm. And so you get people together and, you know, people don't always, even within a particular family, don't always get along. 
and they don't agree on every single thing, but they do decide every few years, you know what, we're going to get together because we are family. And I kind of see the same pattern with the church in the sense that we have these liturgical seasons, and certainly Lent is primary in giving us an opportunity to gather communally, but it comes to pass. You know, so there's a certain rhythm to it, I guess you could say, just as in a family reunion. We gather for about a week or 10 days, but then we'll see you, we'll right. stay in contact, right. but and we'll do it again in four or five years. I kind of see the same rhythm. Does that make sense? Yes, I mean, I think it's very much that same kind of rhythm. I think the, what we'll be exploring, too, as we go forward is part of, again, this notion of pilgrimage um, is that one of the whole... I don't know, the purpose, focus of true pilgrimage, no matter how or where we're making it, is that something is is going to change inside of me. Mm. So, I, I, you know, using the, the family reunion, so we have to, I think as human beings, we need these markers to, to sort of bring us back because we're sort of wandering all over the place. And then, so we need the family reunion. We mm-hmm. need Christmas. We need uh, even secular holidays. Uh, we need, um, you know, national holidays to remind us of certain things because we we for are forgetful people yeah. and we're ritualistic really. and we're ritualistic so we we need these kinds of markers and but the key is what do i do in the middle of those you know do i i does something happen to me and others as i acknowledge the family coming together so in other words do i leave the family reunion with just a couple of photos um, a few Instagram messages. Uh, oh my gosh, I haven't had my Aunt Sally's, uh, you know, pork rinds for, <laughs> you know, <laughs> since we met la- two years ago. Um, and maybe you have the t shirt, f- yep. you know, Barenti Family yep. Reunion mm-hmm. 2020, and that's all you have. Mm. Well, that's mm. not going to sustain you much no. in the absence of family. But mm. when we go to a family reunion and I bring back more than a T-shirt mm-hmm. and memories of uh, a barbecue uh, and, I, and I really am recommitted to family or I know how much I'm loved mm-hmm. or, oh, my gosh, I didn't know what's going on in our family, so I'm going to reconnect. In other words, something mm-hmm. then that, yeah. that experience is really valuable. And I think that's what we're trying to say about our pilgrimage and certainly about the Lenten season. If we come to the end of it, and all we have to show for it is, uh, I don't know, I dropped a few pounds because I'm not, you know, drinking as much Coke or, mm-hmm. um, you know, okay. But, mm-hmm. but that stuff isn't going to carry us any mm-hmm. further. So what we're always hoping in pilgrimage, especially Lenten pilgrimage, is that, you know, I may not do these same disciplines mm-hmm. the other, whatever, f- uh, 40 weeks out of the year. But when I have done this pilgrimage, something is different about me. Something's different about our, our, our community of faith. Well, when I've experienced a family reunion, what's kind of interesting, and our listeners can probably identify with this, you think about, you look at maybe the young children or the new members of the family, but then everybody starts reflecting back on grandma and grandpa and great-grandma and great-grandpa. And we have this celebration of roots and something that we share And I think in the same way, what we're talking about during Lent is we have this opportunity to kind of look back. I sometimes think, Father, we lose a sense of what Jesus Christ has really done for us. We think about the Christian life as sometimes I think Americans kind of identify it with the American dream rather than thinking back about what Jesus really did for us Mm -hmm. and how he fulfilled the old covenant and established the new. We're living in the midst of such great blessing. 
And I think at Lent we have this opportunity to kind of look back. And then I think what you're suggesting is we have to kind of walk with Jesus in a sense. And we often think of Lent, we always kind of focus in on Good Friday's coming, you know, and we kind of focus there. But there's so much more to his passion than just what happened on Good Friday. Right. And we, you know, we uh, liturgically, we highlight the three days, you know, the glorious days of the Triduum. Mm -hmm. But, you know, every day is this walk. And certainly in Lent, um, I always try to remind people, it's sort of, I think, the same principle I tried to share during Advent, um, that, you know, to miss Advent is to miss Christmas. To miss Lent is to miss Easter. Mm. It's a a longer slog. uh, we're walking with the Lord, and he, and here, here's the thing: is the things that He experiences on His passion are things that we experience in our life, and and He's showing us how to be able to deal with these things. Who is also walking with us uh, when we're going through our own passions, uh, bearing our crosses, uh, finding ashes? You know, ashes turn up in our lives every day, not just tomorrow when we wear them on our forehead. Uh, disappointments, frustrations, uh, lost, broken promises, you know, all these kinds of things. And so we are, you know, making these steps every day with the Lord. And yet at the same time, uh, we have that, his love, his compassion, his companionship, but also that's what's exciting about it. I mean, that's what to me is exciting about Mm -hmm. the Lenten season is sometimes, yeah, it's hard work and I'm going to have to, you know, make some sacrifices because this is what Christ did for us. But but at the same time is, wow, I mean, what a greater... Can you find a greater travel companion to be with Obviously. who is going to show us many, many paths that, that are going to make our ultimate life path uh, much more, you know, much more fulfilling? Um, and so, to, you know, we're on this, uh, you know, we're on this together walking, and that's what we are. We're pilgrims of Christ's passion. You know, he's walking with us. We are walking with him um, and he's going to take us on this marvelous journey uh, over these weeks. And now, Father, when you're talking about the passion, then, a, a, a lot of us think in terms of only what happened on Good Friday. I go back to Good Friday again, and we think, well, that was the passion. But there's so much more, because even as I read, uh, I think it's Luke's gospel, I think it's Luke chapter 9, he's already on his way to Jerusalem. So the passion is much more than what transpired once he was arrested and then condemned to death. Right. I mean, that is, I think, our, you know, our, our central focus. And, of course, when we do Stations of the Cross, that even further highlights this. It's all about, uh, you know, from mm. garden to, to cross. Um, and, and there's a truth to that. But, yes, when you look at it uh, from a scriptural standpoint, the passion of Christ is the life of Christ. Mm. It is all of that. He's mm. passionate about healing. Um, he's passionate in confronting uh, people with prophetic challenges. He's compassionate uh, on the mountaintop or on the plain when he's feeding the 4,000, the 5,000, the 7,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's a full life of passion. Mm. So while we don't we will, and, and as you pointed out, scripturally, especially with Luke, is, uh, and we'll look at this next week because our first formal stop on our pilgrimage is up to Jerusalem. But he's traveling to Jerusalem from the beginning of his public life. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes a lot of other places in between, mm-hmm. but ultimately it's all moving uh, mm-hmm. toward that. One of the, I think, beautiful things that highlights to me that that the passion of Christ is begins at the beginning of his ministry, um, is in John's gospel, 
You know, John is the one who sets the confrontation uh, in the temple with mm-hmm. the money changers and all that at the beginning, mm-hmm. not at the end, yep, right before the yeah. passion right. of the others. And he does that because John, well, many reasons, but John is setting up the reality that Jesus' passion and struggle mm-hmm. with leaders and and bringing a new sense of who God is, the trouble starts in the beginning of his ministry. Mm-hmm. So John purposely... Uh, puts that scenario early on. And in other words, for John, everything that is unfolding now is pointing back to that. Uh, for John, it's a prophetic act. You know, you go into the Old Testament, you mm-hmm. see uh, prophets doing prophetic acts to draw attention to who they are and what they're doing and that God means business right now. So um, so from that standpoint, from the Joanine perspective, the passion begins the minute he overturns the money changers' mm-hmm. tables, and that's like right at the right mm-hmm. at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So again, it's not that we don't think about Gethsemane to cross as passion, but I think we want to expand our understanding in this journey that that the passion of the Lord is His entire walk. Mm. That's what we're we're invited uh, invited to, um, and so we want to be you know along along the road uh, with Him, and we want to do it. We want to make this journey. As we'll return to a point you made earlier, maybe share a little bit more about that. Is we want to do this as pilgrims yeah. in these days. We don't want to be sort of the the Catholic tourist. Uh, and because there are certain kind of qualities that uh, tourists possess that are they're not conducive to to uh, entering into this season to bear yeah. a lot of fruit. Right, that's right. They're there for me. You know, this is something, this is an experience <clears throat> I want to have for me. And uh, and that's the way I see it. Um, you know what I'm thinking, Father, is, <clears throat> excuse me, as you were talking about the uh, view of the passion as a pilgrimage, and of course, Jesus' whole earthly ministry. I'm thinking about the apostles, and I'm kind of identifying better with the apostles right now, because I think for most of us, we kind of go through Lent, um, and I'm, you know, this is, you know, not to overstate it, but we're a little clueless. And I think that was true of the apostles. So we kind of bumble our way through Lent. Then we get to the passion. All of a sudden, oh, wow, now i got to make a decision, kind of like what the apostles and Peter did. So I'm kind of feeling my way with the apostles and hoping that uh, based upon their experience, I can maybe do a little better this Lent. Yeah, and I think, you know, using the example of the apostles, that's a great thing because in a lot of ways uh, that, that illustrates also a little bit about one of the difference between sort of tourists and pilgrims, and, and I'm kind of generalizing here, but, you know, the, the sort of the tourists, when you, and having led pilgrimages yourself, you know this, many people, sort of the tourists, you, you want everything to go exactly as you have it planned. Mm. You know, I want to know, what am I supposed to get up? When do I get on the bus? When do I get off the bus? When do I do this? When do I do that? Everything is supposed to go exactly as imagined. But in the life of a pilgrim, the, the pilgrim is open to surprise. Yeah. You know, I like a few. Th- so so in this vein of the apostles, you know, they, they were pretty clueless and they wanted things to work certain kind of ways. And every time they turned around on this pilgrimage of the Lord, he's saying like, no, that's not the way it's going to work. Yeah. Uh, we've heard that the last two weeks. Uh, you have heard it said, but mm-hmm. I say to you. Yeah. So there is this element that we want to be a little... Uh, a little more attentive and open mm. to the surprises the Lord might bring to us, you know, during this uh, this Lenten season, and not just be kind of sightseers along the way, but to really value what's going to happen internally to us as we make our, you know, make our way through Lent. The physical journey is great, but it's it's secondary 
to what is really happening inside of us. So we have uh, noble companions in the apostles, <laughs> and uh, part of our Lenten pilgrimage, the Lord is going to keep tapping us on the shoulder and say, this is the way to go. Well, I want to talk a little bit after the break, Father. By the way, I'm with Father Ben Berenti. We're beginning a Lenten series. I want to talk a little bit about our anticipation of the season. You're listening to Treasures of Faith on Divine Mercy Radio, Melbourne, Vero Beach. Well, welcome back to Treasures of Faith. I'm joined by Father Ben Berenti. He's the pastor of Immaculate Conception Parish here in Melbourne Beach. And we're beginning a new series for Lent, and it's entitled Passionate Lenten Pilgrims. And Father, before the break, we were talking a little bit about uh, this distinction between being a pilgrim and a tourist. And I was thinking along the lines of here we are, we are helping our listeners anticipate the season of Lent. And oftentimes, you know, we anticipate with great expectations about what the Lenten experience is really going to be. And I liken it to something I shared with you off air. When I first went to the Holy Land and I was anticipating going to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, I had this idyllic vision about this experience I was going to have. And then when I got there, um, those uh, thoughts were easily dashed (laughs) just by the sheer crowds, uh, shoulder to shoulder. People are cutting in front one another. People are getting angry. And I'm thinking, here we are. We're in the very place that identifies not only the place of the crucifixion, but also the place where they laid Jesus for the three days. And I'm thinking, what's wrong with this picture? My anticipation was dashed. And I'm thinking, how does that relate to us helping people prepare for the Lenten season? Well, my, my first thought when you're talking about that is uh, that's the beauty of our little uh, Lenten pilgrimage, the sites that we're going to be going along in these coming weeks. There's no crowd. There's nobody going to be elbowing <laughs> you out of the way. Because uh, remember, like you said, you know, these places are tiny. Yeah. <laughs> and so you and it also a kind of in a, a secular example of that one many, many moons ago when I was uh, doing my postgraduate studies in Boston. Um, I had been there for oh, about 13 or 14 months, and I was getting ready to, to leave my time there. And I had not yet been to the Cape and had not been to uh, Plymouth Rock. Oh, wow. So I'm like, I have to go to Plymouth Rock and go to the Cape. So some friends of mine, it was the day before I was leaving. We're going to take you on this, you know, this journey. And so same thing. I'm all excited about Plymouth Rock, you know, and seeing this thing. I go over to the side of the road. There was this <laughs> broken down fence around a rock. Uh, I have bigger ones in my backyard on the riverfront. And I'm looking down in there. There's nothing but plastic cups and styrofoam and garbage. And I thought, well, so much for the landing of the pilgrims you know, in this place. So, so you're right. We, we get ourselves ready and we have expectations. Um, and here is, again, I think the difference between, again, the pilgrim and the tourist is... Um, we need to move around in this season and we want to have expectations. We want to be excited about what we're doing, but we have to be open to also the surprises that the Lord wants mm-hmm. to bring. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, the Lord's path of passion is not linear. Uh, it's a circuitous mm-hmm. uh, movement from here to there mm-hmm. and back and forth. And uh, and we will see that when, you know, when we arrive uh uh, in the entry into Jerusalem, we'll talk a little bit about that next week. All in the same framework, there's great joy, and then immediately there's great sorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we prepare ourselves, we prepare our listeners to engage in this journey, and it's good to have 
some expectations, some hopes, some dreams, some desires for what's going to happen. But at the same time, we can't get waylaid Mm -hmm. by those or defeated when it doesn't go that way. You know, when you arrive at the Holy Sepulcher and uh, the best view of it is the postcard that you bought to the gift store because you couldn't (laughs) get close enough to to see it. Uh, And that that takes a lot on our part. Um, Or you know, to set, uh, maybe set some goals these first few days of, of the Lenten season. And then what happens, I know, to many people, it's kind of like New Year's resolutions. Mm-hmm. These are not New Year's resolutions. Um, so they set some really meaningful goals and looking for transformation. And then, you know, by day 10, all right, it's three days now since I didn't do this prayer. Um, I cheated yesterday at work because my favorite candy was in the dish. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. immediately they feel like the whole thing is over. Yeah. You know, I am defeated. I'm a sinful person. I ruined Lent. And they realize, mm. no, tomorrow's a new day. Mm. Uh, it's, again, kind of like being on the pilgrimage. You had great plans to go and experience this thing. And guess what? It poured down rain all day and you couldn't go. Mm. So what? You get up tomorrow and you do again. So I always want to encourage people that uh, any desire for transformation, any desire to grow during this season, you will not be defeated by one or two or three missteps. Um, or it didn't. if something isn't living up to our expectation, the way that I would look at it is, remember who's guiding this pilgrimage. Mm-hmm. We're walking with the Lord. So if I get to some point, and you know what, mm-hmm. this isn't at all what I was expecting, be more alert, because this is precisely when God chooses to do something with, you know, once he's moved our agenda out of the way is when God really acts. So rather than feel defeated, like, well, this isn't what I was hoping was going to happen, step back a moment, because that's often when God is saying, okay, finally, you leave me, you left me a little bit of room to come in and bring you a new expectation, a new, a new revelation. So certainly on this journey, we want to be affected by what we experience, and that's really... That's really the difference. And it's not just religious pilgrimage. Any kind of a experience of pilgrimage is about being transformed by who and what I see and encounter along the way, mm. not just to have some mementos, but to really have something different about, ah, I'm never going to look at this the same way, or I have a better understanding of, you know, I didn't just... Let's say, you know, I just didn't collect long sleeve shirts for the Florida Catholics long sleeve shirt drive. I learned something about Mm -hmm. migrant workers and I learned something about the damage of pesticides, not only to them, but to the food I'm consuming. And and, and there's some change in my life about that. Or I just didn't put coins into the Catholic Relief Service's rice bowl. Glad that you did that. It's going to go for good work. But I actually prayed the prayers each week and Mm -hmm. I learned about the individuals who were presented each week. And I maybe went on the internet and used the internet for something useful for a change, and I read up about the plight of people in Nigeria or Vietnam or wherever it happens to be. So um, We have to be open then to the Spirit of God. That might be a better way to mm-hmm. anticipate, but Father, so how do we pack for this journey? Well, you know, like any journey, if we're going to talk about being on a pilgrimage, um, we have to pack for the pilgrimage. And so I think the first thing that we start with, and you know, just continue to use this in a very practical way. You got to ask yourself, you know, what kind of a pack? So Bill, what kind of a packer are you when you go on these trips? Or shall I say, have you had any evolution in your, your packing? I pack as little as possible. And that is completely counter to how my wife packs. So we have this argument every time we go on a trip because I have my one little bag and she has 
two or three. So, and I know that I'm the one that's going to have to be, um, let's say, handling that luggage along the way. I'm recalling the pilgrimage to the Holy Land, and that was, I uh, felt like uh, a bellboy along the way as I uh, moved this luggage. But you're absolutely right, Father. Everybody packs in a little different way, and it, you know, and not that either one is good or bad. It's just the idea of how we see what we're actually going to need for the journey. Right. And I mean, I think that's that's the beauty of, so I would invite our listeners, I mean, think practically about, you know, what, what kind of a packer I am I, because that literally when I go on trips, because that says a lot about me and, and you know, I need every necessity taken care of in the event that something happens. Okay. That might be your way. But as we talk now about a spiritual journey is then you're going to we miss the surprises the Lord has because we're prepared for what we think are all eventualities. And then, as you're saying, you're so busy managing the luggage uh, that we miss Mm. the event. Mm. You know, oh, something, you know, here's something wonderful happening in front of the group. But Bill's still back there, you know, carrying the cosmetic (laughs) bag and the other six bags of, you know, so forth. I hope my wife isn't listening, Father, because I'm going to be in big trouble. Don't worry, I'm sure she'll get word of it somehow. (laughs) See, I I like to take a cue from the Gospels where Jesus tells the apostles not to bring a second coat and all these other things. I'm traveling light. I'm trying to be more spiritual about it. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, just Sunday, he said, like, if somebody asks you for one of your platoonics, give them your other one. So now, of course, some people pack lightly only because they want to bring more stuff back with them. That's Mm -hmm. all another another kind of an issue. But anyway. Um, there's some things I'd like to suggest, uh, and a few of these we've sort of touched on in our conversation so far. Is So on this Lenten pilgrimage, what do we want to take? What do we want to take? What do we want to pack that's useful? Mm. Um, we may not have time to, to share about each of them, but let me just suggest what we want to bring with us, and then we'll look at a few of those. I think we need to take risks. Mm. We want to pack trust. We certainly need to pack hope. Uh, we need to pack a lot of patience. I think this Mm. goes back to what we were just talking about in terms of anticipation and expectations. And I also believe on this Lenten pilgrimage, uh, to be passionate pilgrims, we need to take to pack dreams and desires. Mm. What am I really looking for here? What do I really want Mm. the Lord to enter into my life? So risks, trust, hope, patience, dreams, desires, these these are the things I think that are important Mm. for us to take that we might want to, you know, explore a few of those. I wouldn't think that dreams and desires would be a natural movement or you know that we would even think in terms of that because as you mentioned earlier father we think about lent as being sort of a foreboding time we're entering everything is violet and kind of dark and i'm supposed to be able feel really bad about my sins and I'm going into the desert and there was nothing really to look at. And yet in reality, what you're telling us is, no, we can actually look at it certainly being penitential, but at the same time being very hopeful and with some desires and dreams about our spiritual future. Right. And it's, you know, it's also, it's not a matter of uh, either or, well, this is penitential. So don't, you know, we're not not allowed to be non-penitential until Easter. Um, it, it's it's not either or, but it's also focusing. What's what's the purpose of the penitential? The purpose of the penitential is to 
be renewed, reinvigorated mm-hmm. to move things out of the way so that there is more room for the Lord in my life. It's to acknowledge sinfulness so that I can begin a different kind of a path. Mm-hmm. And those are those are hopeful. Those are dream things. So it's not sort of negating that, but it, you know, it's not being mired in one's sins, but I'm even being penitential. I'm being sacrificial. I am fasting so that there can be feasting. In other words, I fast from whatever it is, I fast from gossiping about neighbors uh, so that I can have the freedom to really enjoy other people and their presence in my mm-hmm. life and the goodness that God is bringing into my life. So the whole notion of a Lent is, is Lent. I thought Christmas was about hopes and dreams, but Lent is a time about hopes and dreams. It's about where this, this way of Christ's passion, where can this lead me in my life? Where can it lead us as a community to greater commitment, deeper love for the Lord, Uh, You know, I maybe engage more intensely in some of the, hopefully, alms uh, projects that my parish community might be doing. And if I can't find in my own parish, I can go to the Immaculate Conception Parish website and you'll find a host of (laughs) of things. If there's not much going on in your neck of the woods, you're welcome to join in uh, with us. But in other words, I... Uh, the hope and dream is that I become more aware of, of people's plights and in the world and what's mm. happening to them. And I, I have a dream that I am, I am just going to be more in tune with things that are happening right in my backyard that I didn't even know that uh, people were, were suffering from. So, yeah, dreams and desires and hopes isn't just about, you know, a shining Christmas star. It's mm-hmm. really um, Christ enters into his passion because he has great—he uh, has all of these qualities. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are why we— I name those as things we need to pack. He has great trust in the Father, but he has great dreams and and desires that the Father is going to bring about if he stays faithful Mm. to this path. So yeah, I think dreams and desires maybe not something we often think about, but again, use the pilgrimage image. You go on a pilgrimage and geez, I'm hoping all the people who have gone on the Camino, whichever mm-hmm. version of it they may have been sure. on, and whether they've been slogging it out for three months or whether they were on a tour bus and got off every so often and <laughs> made a prayer or <laughs> right. you know did something else, is people are doing these things because there's some hope or desire mm. for transformation. And I think that's what keeps us moving forward. If we see that my, there's this great desire, this dream I have to be, I don't know, just fall more in love with the Lord or let his love touch me, then that's going to keep me going through, geez, I forgot to do this practice. Oh, mm-hmm. I thought I was going to do that. Oh, I I miss these days or, you know, I'm kind of getting tired out from all this sacrifice and, you know, can't I cheat? You're supposed to be allowed to cheat, according to some people, on Sundays from your, Sunday or uh, your Sunday Lenten discipline. We won't, we won't get into that. <laughs> yeah, no. I have a whole business about that. But I always say, if you, if you want to do the minimum, go ahead, knock yourself out on Sunday. Um, but we're pilgrims, so we're going to, Sundays is part of the journey. But anyway, I think dreams and desires, it's something really, mm. because that's what's going to drive us forward mm. to want to stay on the 40-plus day. I, I think a lot of us, Father, though, as we enter into Lent, we're thinking in terms of, okay, I, I'm pretty sure I'm supposed to go to reconciliation during Lent. That's one of the primary things people think about. So they often think in, in terms of, I have to unburden myself from all of these sins. Uh, but then we don't really, in most cases, want to go any further. It's kind of like, I get kind of cleaned up during Lent so mm-hmm. I can get on with my life. But what you're talking about is there's so much more that we can gain. It's kind of like, 
you know, we cleanse ourselves of sin and then we create this kind of vacuum or whatever Mm -hmm. when it ought to be filled with a a deeper spirituality is where we ought to be desiring to go. Yeah, I mean, this is sometimes, again, the trap we fall into with, you know, the twice yearly penance rallies that we have in our parishes is, okay, then that's it till six months from now uh, because then it'll be Advent and we'll Mm -hmm. have another rally and Mm -hmm. we'll do that. But it's like, what's, what's the... What's the desire here? The desire is, is it, you know, to have something moved out of my life in this moment. And remember, yes, it is to have the sin moved out of my life, but for what good? Mm. What's the good that's going to come out of it? Mm. Okay, now I feel unburdened. I really do feel God's mercy. Um, can I spend the next several weeks being merciful towards others? Mm. Uh, this has been moved out, or I've come to some recognition of, oh my gosh, I finally am owning up to the fact that every time this happens in my life, this is my behavior, this is my reaction. Well, now that through the grace of God and the gift that Christ gave the church, that's removed from my life, so I can be more of who I really want to be. Mm-hmm. So it's always that, that what's and that's to be on pilgrimage. What's the next step? Okay, so you went to the penance service. What's the next step? Mm-hmm. And it's not to go back to penance next week. It's what, what's, what's, what did that do? What did God do in my life that's now making more room for, uh, you know, for something else? So, you know, we talked earlier about sometimes the Lenten season. To be a tourist uh, would be to just check the boxes. Yeah. Penance service, yes. Um, fish fry, yes. Um, Station of the Cross, yes. And, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Those are all good Those things. Those are good things. But I, to be the pilgrim on this journey, I need to do more than check mm. the box. Mm. I need that experience to really enter into it. Uh, you know, and I've, so let's go back to a moment for the penance service. Here, here's some good examples. And uh, I've been to many penance services in many places in our own diocese during the seasons of Lent and, and, uh, and Advent. And you will encounter in some places you know, you're coming together for a communal penance service. So the purpose of it is we're praying together, we're reflecting on Scripture, and in the midst of that together, we are identifying sinfulness, we're examining conscience, and then we have the opportunity, should we choose, for individual confession. This is beautiful. I can't tell you how many penance services I've gone to where people are, as soon as they see the priest sitting in the pew, the thing hasn't even started yet, and grabbing you, hey, can you hear my confession now? Because they just want to get in and get out of there as quickly as possible. <laughs> they don't want to wait in line. We don't want to wait in line, don't want to be part of the communal prayer. I mean, Mm -hmm. again, this is that kind of efficiency that Mm -hmm. works its way into. So, yes, you'll go to confession and sin will be forgiven because that's up to the Lord to do that. But what what that person Mm -hmm. misses is the whole experience of Mm. being. It's kind of like the person saying, okay, I went to the Holy Sepulcher, I saw it, and that's it. Mm -hmm. So even when we're even when we're engaged in these beautiful sacramental experiences sometimes within our faith journey during Lent, we're still about efficiency. Um, So, Father, Lent is more than just giving up chocolate for a few weeks. And, and, you know, I hear people say this all the time, and we jokingly refer to it, but a very good friend of mine, he lives in another state. I was talking to him the other night. And he's, you know, a reasonably good Catholic, um, not deeply spiritual in any real sense. Um, He kind of just goes to church and does his thing. And he said something very interesting to me. He said in his workplace, he's been noticing how much 
people complain. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, and I did not expect this from him. He said, you know what? I know Lent is coming because I talked to him about it. And he says, you know what I'm going to do this Lent? I'm going to do my very best not to utter a word of complaint for the next few weeks. That really stopped me in my tracks. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, that is a wonderful thing to aspire to. I guess we could all kind of be inspired by that as something we could attempt to do. Now, we might fail in the first day, right? but but again, like you said, this is a journey. Right, and you pick up the next day. Sure, these kinds of... Pre- and again, uh, some of these more tangible sacrifices of food and drink, I mean, this is a tradition of fasting in there, again, when well done... And, uh, you know, again, you don't give up spinach because you don't like spinach to begin with. That's not a helpful. You mean I can't you know, do that? Yeah, okay. no, it's not a helpful, not a helpful thing. Uh, so th- these have their place, too, because there is something about, as, as you know, from being on pilgrimage, too, is uh, people encounter different diets and different ways of doing things. Mm. So the tourist on the pilgrimage, wherever it happens to be, uh, all they want to do is, my gosh, where is the closest McDonald's so I can eat American food? I mean, you're in the middle of Italy and you're looking for the McDonald's, you know. The, the pilgrimage says, no, I'm going to enter into, I'm going to mm. try new things, make sacrifices, uh, because the whole bodily, this is, this is Catholic, you know, the, we're all about bodily experiences in the spiritual life and journey. So all, all those things are good too, but we have to broaden that consideration to things like, uh, and certainly I would agree, I mean, you stand in a line in any grocery store or any place you are, and, and that is the 99% of the topic on people's mouths talking out loud on their cell phones, talking to something is complaining, 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 complaining. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It happens in church before mass yes. starts, yep. Uh, yep. especially certain masses when certain crowds are there. That's all that's going on at the back of the church, and mm-hmm. it's loud, and it's it's talking about this and, and talking about that. So, so, But here's one of the things I would say about the fasting, is the fasting is, is not only just about, you know, suffering and discipline— Fasting is meant to lead us to feasting. Mm-hmm. So I would say to your friend, wonderful, noble choice, and don't give up after one or two days. You were good for two weeks, and all of a sudden you fall, fell you know, for three days. Don't pick yourself back up and go again. But here's the thing. Fast from the complaining. Feast on giving a compliment. Mm. This even expands mm. that yeah. even more so that I'm going to replace mm-hmm. this uh, th- this complaining and boy, how life changing would that also mm-hmm. be? So the one step is good, or it's fasting from you know I'm just I'm going to spend less time on my cell phone because I'm going to feast on the fact I'm going to have a direct conversation uh, through some other means with a friend, a neighbor. I'm going to spend actually ten minutes with my teenager trying to engage them in a conversation rather than uh, texting. So fasting is always meant to lead uh, lead to uh, feasting as well. So we got to pack well for this journey um, that we're undertaking and going on. We want to take risks because that's how the Lord's going to surprise us. We have to trust in the one who is guiding us on this path, be hopeful uh, about where we're going, be incredibly patient, and also bring our dreams and desires. Father, what about uh, you're taking us on a journey uh, this Lent. Uh, where are we going to be visiting along the way? Okay, let's check out our, uh, our itinerary moving on from our introduction today. So we are going to, in many ways, physically stop at the places that the Lord stopped along his way. Um, and then see what did he see what did he experience in these places and then what might that have to say to us so next week we are as we said earlier we're on the road to jerusalem 
his whole life is moving him toward this this central reality and experience. And we will be specifically looking at his arrival uh, in Jerusalem and the great uh, paradox of things that happen, joy, celebration, hosannas, and then the next thing you know, the whole bottom falls out of it. Mm. And that's often very much part of our spiritual mm. journey mm. too. So we're on the road to Jerusalem next week. Then we're going to be the following week uh, searching for the upper room. There's a lot to be said about that search that he sends these apostles out. Find the right kind of place for us. Find a place that's big enough. Find mm. a place where we can really be at home because we need a place to really feel together because we're about to enter into something that is is going to be heartbreaking, life-changing, and so we need a place that we can prepare for that. Then we're on to the actual room of the Paschal Supper, where we'll be exploring the Passover and the Eucharist. From there, uh, we'll move into the Garden of Gethsemane, make a visit at the Garden of Gethsemane, then, of course, up to Calvary, and we'll end our series uh, in April sitting outside the tomb. Uh, what I call the long loneliness. We, again, mm-hmm. like to rush to Easter once mm-hmm. Good Friday's over, but really in the Gospel of Mark in his original form just leaves us at the tomb, mm-hmm. with the women at the tomb. And I think we need to spend a lot of time in that sort of limbo period of time before we embrace the resurrection and just sit with everything that has happened to us uh, on this journey. So we'll conclude um, our our passionate pilgrimage together outside the tomb when we conclude the series in April. So I'm with Father Ben Berinti. He's the pastor of Immaculate Conception Parish uh, in Melbourne Beach, and we've begun our Lenten series, and we've just focused on preparation for the journey, but next week, again, we'll be looking at the road to Jerusalem. The following week, we'll look at the upper room experience move on to the Paschal Supper or the institution of the Eucharist. Then, of course, the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, I'm really looking forward to that, a very unique place and a place that had a great impact upon me when I was visiting the Holy Land, certainly Calvary. Uh, And then, uh, as you just uh, noted, being outside the tomb. So we're looking forward uh, to this uh, series with Father Ben And uh, we're hoping that you will travel the road with us and that this will certainly enrich uh, your uh, Lenten experience. Father, you have a prayer to share with us as we begin our series. Yes, as we're bringing our time together to a close, there's a passionate pilgrim's prayer that I wrote that I'd like to share with us uh, each week. So I invite us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God of the journey, create in each of us the heart of a pilgrim and give us the courage to set off on our Lenten pilgrimage. You call us, Lord, to leave familiar things in our comfort zone. Grant that this time spent on pilgrimage may help us to see ourselves as we really are, and may we strive to become the people you would have us be. God the Father who created us, guide our footsteps. God the Son who redeemed us, give us a share in your passion. God the Holy Spirit who sanctifies us, lead us on this Lenten journey. And may the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you, wherever you may go. Amen. Amen. Well, Father, we just got a couple of minutes left. uh, And just on a lighter note, are you prepared for the Lenten season? You have your own parish, and so you have, obviously, uh, Ash Wednesday services. Do you discover that a lot of people that are not even Catholic show up at your parish 
for ashes on Ash Wednesday. Oh, there will be. There'll be a, a lot of people looking because these these elements of our faith still attract people. Mm. They are sort of a way to retether back, and we cannot underestimate the power of not only what we're going to do on these days, but what God is going to do. So we can never, uh, you know, when we have these opportunities, please don't discourage people. Please don't criticize people. Don't make some crack about the fact, oh, you're just here for the ashes. Mm -hmm. These are moments when God can use us for transformation in people's lives. So I'm hoping Ash Wednesday finds lots of people coming because God wants to do something with them and with us as well. Certainly all are welcome. And again, it's an opportunity for people to experience our Catholic tradition. And in a way, we're hoping that everyone that's listening to us today will join us for this next six Tuesdays as we walk with Father Ben on this pilgrimage uh, for our Lenten season. Father Ben, I want to thank you for joining me today. And I know you just uttered a prayer, but we'd really like you to leave us with a special blessing. Lord, we thank you for this time together, and we know that you are the one who is guiding this journey. And we are gathered together in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Blessed pilgrimage to all of our listeners. Well, join us next week, next Tuesday at 11 a.m. on Treasures of Faith with Father Ben Berinti. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio, Melbourne, Vero Beach.